We are the Unshakables. Yeah. Well, I'm excited because uh, this is going to feel like uh, two sermons, which is nice, like a tag team sermon. This is Jared Gallardo. He, uh, he just got back from Afghanistan. He spent seven months over there, and I just want him to share just what God did over there and um, just, just what he learned, encourage you, and then pray for our vets this morning. And so would you all give it up for Jared Gallardo? Thanks, Ben. Thanks, church. I noticed that Ben doesn't have his phone up here at second service. Do you do that all the time? So the second service can just run over? Oh my goodness, this, this phone's not up here. First service, he had his phone here. He was like on time. And so um, welcome to church. My name is Jarrett Gallardo. Um, so almost seven months ago, you guys sent me out on a field trip to Afghanistan. And I came back, thank God, and now I'm back. I left um, on the 5th of April and I came back on Kayla's birthday on the 31st of October so it was amazing yes um, when when you guys sent me out uh, our son Kavika well, he was just over 10 days old I had just gotten through my paternity leave and then uh, and then I was out the door to Afghanistan to a country I knew very little about but um so today I wanted to share with you just a uh, quick things of what's God's been doing in my life in Liz's life and then also while we were deployed in Afghanistan, what God was doing over there as well. Um, so while I was gone for those almost seven months, man, my wife, Liz, has been holding it down uh, with the two kiddos. Amen. And um, she has seven more classes left until she's done with her bachelor's of elementary education. And um, yeah, man, God's doing great things in her life. And um, what, what we really felt was that the church really be the church. So the church isn't this building, and the church isn't these four walls, but the church is all of us. And so we really felt like that, the church be the church. Whether it was a Facebook message, or a letter, or somebody saying, hey, we're praying for you, or hey, I just came over to your house and cut your grass. Whatever it was, we really felt like the church be the church during that time that I was gone, and it was amazing. Um, while I was there, our mission was to defend, support, and deliver. It's different than our vision here, seeing Jesus clearly, but over there it was the defend, support, and deliver. So we were uh, defending um, the country of Afghanistan alongside with the soldiers of Afghanistan, supporting them in well, and then also we were delivering munitions on bad guys or taking out bad guys. I wasn't doing that. I work as a nurse in the inpatient setting uh, in the hospital, so we were taking care of of Afghanistan soldiers that were injured during the, the war, and, and also uh, American soldiers as well. We also took care of a few uh, bad guys. There were a few terrorists that we took care of, and that was also, I didn't share this first service, but it was eye-opening to see um, us being compassionate to somebody who, and hours ago, was just trying to kill our soldiers. So it was, it was amazing just to, to be on the other side of that and, and care for, for the terrorists as well. Um, so... During that time, we probably experienced close to 40 mortars um, come onto the base. And uh, there was one close call where there was a motorcyclist who drove his motorcycle to the front gate and um, blew himself up. But other than that, it was, it was a pretty safe experience. And I just thank God for his, his healing and his watch over the whole entire base while we were, while we were there. Um, there was a guy who came in 2008 who was deployed there, and he had... He was our replacement, 
And he was like, man, when, when I was here, there was 16 fatalities just from the mortars that were coming on base. While we were there, there were zero. And so even the rotation before us, there was zero from the mortars attacks. So it was just amazing to see God's hand over that whole situation. Um, what is God doing in my life? God is doing a lot in my life as well. While I was there, I was um, able to complete a few more classes. Um, I'm working towards uh, my master's divinity. I'm in seminary through Liberty University, and um, I'll be done in the spring. So two more classes left, um, this class in this fall, and then one more in the spring. And then, so my plan that you guys could also be praying about is after graduation, um, I plan to get endorsed, and then after endorsement, put a package into the chaplain corps from the nurse corps. So I, I wish to serve as a chaplain in the military, so you guys can be in prayer about that. Um, the ministerial organization that I, I would like to be endorsed by is called the National Association of Evangelicals, the NAE. And what was pretty cool, what I found out while being in Afghanistan, was that um, every nation, um, the umbrella churches that Luminous is a part of, falls under, or not falls under, but they are a part of that organization, the National Association of Evangelicals. So every nation is already a part of them. So I'm, my belief is that it'll be easier to get an endorsement from uh, NAE because we already uh, belong in the Every Nation family. So y'all can be praying about that as well. Um, how do we get our spiritual needs met? Well, we got our spiritual needs met from uh, chaplains. And the chaplains that were there, that we had one, uh, Alan Finley. He was embedded in the hospital. So he would, every time we got traumas come in, he would be there with the soldiers and you know, pray for them and be a ministering uh, a presence. And then he would also minister to us. He held Bible studies for us, and he was, he was real cool checking out the morale of the troops and things like that. Um, so the, just, just real quick, what the difference between a chaplain and a pastor is a, a chaplain, they work in a secular environment. So like a fire department, a um, police department, a military, I think NASCAR and NBA teams, some of them even have their own chaplains. So they work, they bring the light of Jesus Christ in a secular environment, whereas all of us, we come to a designated environment that is holy. So we came here on Sunday, we drove, and we came here. So a pastor would shepherd over the people, all of us who come here, and then a chaplain would kind of bring the light in a secular environment. So that's just a difference between the two. And we had really great chaplains bringing the word over in Afghanistan, we had a chapel service there. Um, there were a couple chapels on base, and it was crazy. The first time that I went to chapel service, I had my weapon. There was like, there's people with M16s, M4s. Um, we, we had M9s on our hips, and, and then we had Ugandan guards. There were these African guards, um, the coalition guards that were on the outsides of like populated areas, so the church buildings, the dining facilities, they would guard it. And then um, when, I, when I came to the, the first service, I was like, hey, can I bring my, um, my gun in church? And he was like, yes, yes, go in, go in. And I was like, man, it was mind-blowing seeing everybody, you know, worshiping and listening to the, pa to the chaplain bring, bring the word, and we're all, like, strapped up. I was like, dang. So that was a new experience. And then also just the coalition forces, the Ugandans and the, and the Georgians, the other people that, that we served with, they were so hungry for the word of God. So it was so amazing to see these people from other countries get to experience a word from God from, from these chaplains who were bringing the message Sunday after Sunday and having Bible studies. 
Because a lot of the people in their villages, they're like, hey, you, you know more about the Bible. Okay, you're going to be the, you come up here, you're going to teach, um, you're going to be the pastor. And they just kind of appoint things like that where they had somebody trained in ministering the word of God week after week. And so when they, they were just so hungry for the word of God that it was awesome to see that. And so what three things that I learned through all of this, the first thing that I learned was about God's sovereignty, um, that God was orchestrating events in my life being in Afghanistan, and then he was orchestrating events in Liz's life, and then, and then Pastor's life, and then your life, and in your life, and he was orchestrating events in everybody's life. And then when I came back, then um, I was reflecting on it more. I was like, he just wasn't doing here and you and you. He was orchestrating events in everybody's life in the entire world right now. So I was like, holy cow, God is so sovereign, and he is in control, and I don't have to worry about anything. So that was amazing. The second thing that I learned in all of this was God's provision. I learned that God provided more than just financially. Over there in the military, we get tax-free pay, so that was kind of cool. But way more than, than tax-free pay, God provided time in my own life. God provided a way for my wife and I to communicate, even though we couldn't be with each other physically. God provided a way for my children to keep in contact with me. God provided a way for us to make it through those six or seven months. God provided IV tubing. I mean, he provided every little thing that we, that we needed, he provided. And then coming home and reflecting on that was like, man, Jehovah Jireh, God is truly our provider. And then the third thing, amen. The, the third thing was that um, I reflected upon the assurity of salvation. Like at any moment's notice, I could just be walking to the gym and boom, be taken out by a mortar and be like, oh, Jared's gone. But absent with the body is present with the Lord. So I'm going to be with Jesus. Yeah, it's going to be sad, but it's going to be glorious. But the third thing that God had me reflect on coming back is that even driving on I-35, we were just one semi-truck away from being with Jesus. I mean, so we need to have the assurity of our salvation, know that we know that we know that Jesus is Lord over our life because at any moment's notice, he could call us. And so we, I was just like, man, reflecting upon that, like we were just one mortar attack away from just being gone. And so I would have you guys reflect on those three things as well. God's sovereignty, God's provision, and then the assurity of your salvation as well. Um, Psalms 135 and Psalms 115 both talk about how the Lord does as he pleases. Those verses in, in those chapters talk about the sovereignty of God and how he's in control and God got this. We don't have to try and worry about every little minute detail in our life. Trust in God, and he will put everything else into place. So with that, y'all, thanks for listening. I'm going to pray for um, this weekend. It's Veterans Day weekend. So I would like to pray for all the veterans, past veterans, that helped pave the way for the freedoms that we have today. So if you guys could join me in prayer. Father God, we love you, and we thank you so much. We thank you that you're in control. We thank you for providing every need for our life. Mighty God, we just right now want to ask a special blessing upon the veterans who have served in the past and upon the veterans who are currently serving in the military to protect our freedoms in the United States of America. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in the lives of this country. Father God, would you bless our leaders? Would you bless our commander-in-chief, all our military generals? Father God, would you give them knowledge and wisdom as they navigate the wars of this world? And Father God, 
we just pray for a blessing of what you're doing in Afghanistan, Father. Um, we know that a lot of those, uh, those individuals there are going through the motions of, of their religion that they grew up in. But when you approach them with the gospel and share the good news, God, they turn to you. So, Father God, we just pray that for all of the laborers that are there in, in public and underground, paving the way in that country for a revival in those people. So, Father God, bless the veterans. Bless the country of Afghanistan and help our military leaders continue to guide us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Oh man, that is awesome. I love that man right there. He is incredible if you don't know him. Uh, we get we get several more months with him at least, and so get to know him, uh, do life with him. He is incredible. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter twenty-five. That's where we'll be this morning. Uh, you came on Give Sunday. We're going to talk about money, and uh, you're like, why did I come this Sunday? Because it's going to be good for you, I promise. I promise it's going to be good. We're in our series called Unshakables. This is a 12-week long series. We're in week 10 of it, and so you're coming on the tail end, and we know that storms come, don't they? They're going to come. You're either in a storm, you've been through a storm, or you're about to go through a storm, and, and you don't like hearing that message, do you? I don't, don't, hey, don't tell me about storms, man. I just I want to feel good. But, but what we want you to do is we want you to have a solid foundation in your life that you could build upon the rock of Jesus and what he has said in his word. And, and so maybe you haven't done a purple book, but we have purple books available for free at the purple table in the foyer. And it walks you through 12 chapters or 12 building blocks of what it is to have a solid foundation. Now, I'm going to tell you this, that, that today we're going to talk about the foundation block of generosity. And generosity is a great thing. Before I get into it, I want to give you a little update on our church, our facility. And so if you're a guest with us, just bear with us. Uh, but I, I just want to encourage you with this. We were meeting in a movie theater when Brandy and I came to San Antonio. We said we wanted a church. Where can you have church? And where can you fit 200 people? So we met in a movie theater. There you have enough space, enough parking spaces, all that stuff. And then our contract was running out. And they gave us a deadline by February 28th that you have to be out of the theater. Well, we were a little stressed. To say the least, uh, God, you got to get us because we can't get ourselves because we don't know where we're going to go. So we called around some real estate places, and we start every year with fasting and prayer. So we were in a 21-day fasting and prayer um, journey at the beginning of this year. Many of you went through that with us. It was day two of the fast. I called this building, and the building owner actually had been going to our church two months prior to that and said, hey, I have 6,000 square feet. You need to come check it out. He showed me how much it was going to be. I was like, we can't afford that. Half our church is college students. This is not going to happen. And, and so, so he came back. He said, well, let me see what I can do. We'll just, we'll just pray about it. So we prayed. Two days before we broke the fast, we signed the contract, uh, and we got the, the exact space that we needed for the exact price that we needed. God came through in a, a miraculous way, a miraculous way. But we had, we had six weeks from that point to be into our facility. And you know how, how hard it is to renovate a place in six weeks. And we had to raise money. We had to raise tens of thousands of dollars. So I, I came to you, and you may remember this. I said, hey, if everybody in our church would just buy a chair for $150, we could have chairs and paint on the walls. You know, that's enough, right? Chairs and paint on the walls. Then we can have church. 
Well, what's amazing about that is we had 200 people buy chairs, and we raised $30,000 in-house to buy chairs and paint. But I was just thinking, you know, God, that's awesome. I love these chairs. I love this paint. I love this square footage. I love what you're going to do. But God, you want us to make everything as excellent as possible. I want people when they come in this place that they feel warmed and welcomed and loved. I want them to be able to hear the sermon. I want them to be able to see the sermon. I I want our kids to be furnished well and that everything would go amazing. And so I started calling people. Hey, this is what our church has done. Can you can you do something? Well, what's amazing is we actually ended up raising $120,000 in five weeks, and, and which is just incredible. And so that's amazing because what you gave in your faith, God blessed and multiplied by four times. So we gave 30000 and God gave, God gave ninety, And so we, we raised $120,000. So now we have a sign on our building, and we're not secret church, which would have been kind of cool um, because, hey, we go to that church without a sign awesome. But uh, how many guests came in this morning like, man, I'm glad there was a sign because it was still hard to find, you know? So, so that's what happened. And, and this is the principle that I've, I've learned over and over and over again in my life. And I know you've learned it as well, is that when you sow big, you reap big. When you give big, you'll get big. And, and that's what we've seen over and over again. And as you sowed your 30000 God reaped. And we have a place that's excellent for the next few years until God outgrows this place with everybody who's getting saved as he adds to his church daily, those who are being saved. And we go to the next place. And God's going to grow it. He's going to excel it. He's going to do amazing things. But if you give big, you'll get big. And we see this in Scripture over and over and over again. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to me, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with with interest. 
So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That ends badly for that one talent man. I don't like how that ends, um, Pastor. And, and sometimes we can read how that ends and be motivated. I don't want to go where there's weeping and gnashing teeth. Here, let me just do something. It's hard. You know, a talent was about 15 years of wage. That's what he was entrusted with, 15 years of wage. So, you know, in, in San Antonio, the average median income is, average median, that's redundant. The median income is $47,000. So think about this. I mean, this, this guy, I mean, you know, three quarters of a million dollars right here. I mean, just entrusted to him. And what was he supposed to do with that? Well, he was supposed to invest it, right? He was supposed to invest it. And, and here's the thing. There's three things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about when it comes to generosity, it's good for us to have the right perspective. It's also, secondly, it's good for us to be faithful when it comes to generosity. And the third thing is expecting the miraculous to happen. These are the three things that I want to teach on this morning. The first one is having the right perspective. Everybody say, it's not mine. I don't own it. I don't own anything. You don't own anything. Is that depressing or what? Nothing. You don't own anything. In fact, Psalm 24, 1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those that dwell therein. Everything is God's. Everything. Everything is God's, and we are stewards or managers of God's resources. Our time, our talent, our treasure, you own nothing. There's a couple in our church, and I remember when their, when their boy turned 16, and he got his first car. I got my car. I got my license. I'm so excited. He was driving that thing. He was owning it, and then his grades weren't there. You know what the father did? The father said, Give me the keys to my car, right? Because he was just borrowing his father's car. And as quickly as he borrowed it, it was taken away from him. And we see this so true in life is that we are just borrowers, stewards of God's stuff. And how do we steward the things of God? I'm, I'm amazed that God lets us steward things. I'm amazed by it. I love my kids so well. I love Benson and Brielle. And as we teach often in this church is that you are stewards of the children that God has given you. That they're not yours, they're his. And so in the process of that, how do I manage my time with my son or with my daughter? You know, sometimes, you know, we get a show like This Is Us, come on, and we just want to tell our kids, go upstairs, go to bed, and not tuck them in. But we, we have a certain amount of time allotted to us, and how am I going to steward my, my son and my daughter and, and spend time with them, teaching them about God, reading his word to them, encouraging them? What has God given you to be stewards of? What is he causing you to be a manager of? And we have to begin to think that this is a great responsibility, isn't it? It's a great responsibility. You see, when it's just your stuff, you, you don't feel very responsible, you know? I mean, it's mine. I can do what I want with it. But if I'm entrusted with it, if I have it for a season, then, then I, need to, I need to take care of this. I need to manage it well. 
A lot of times we, we have this fear that we'll manage poorly so we don't manage at all. We, we have a fear so we start, start hiding it or keeping away from God. And we just, we don't trust the process. And in our stewardship, we have to know that he has called us to be faithful. In Matthew 25, 21 and 29. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He's seeing if you're faithful. If you're faithful, you're going to be fruitful. It's just what God says. If, if you're faithful with this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reap a harvest. There's going to be fruitfulness in this. If I'm faithful with my son, my daughter, and I love them well, there's going to be fruitfulness. I won't have to fear if they're going to serve God or not. They're just going to serve him. They're going to love him. They're going to go further than I've gone. They're going to go places I haven't been to. They're going to preach the gospel all over. It's going to come to you. If, if, you're, if you're generous and faithful, you'll be fruitful. The challenge is, is I found in life, I've seen a lot of fruitfulness, but I haven't kept a lot of the fruit. Anybody else like that? Where, where you've seen blessing come your way, but it just goes out the back door. It just leaves you as quickly as it came. I'll never forget being in college and using my credit card to buy everybody lunch, dinner, ski trips. I mean, I was just blessing people left and right, man. Here's the blessing of the Lord on Chase Bank. Hallelujah. You know, I was doing that over and over again. You know what's amazing about that? God still blessed my generosity. He still blessed me. I'll remember when I turned 23, he gave me a Land Rover Discovery 2, just gave me the keys to it. I remember that, that I'm not that smart, and my college was paid for through an academic scholarship. I mean, somebody. That's incredible. And all this provision came my way, but I found that, that as quickly as provision came, it left me. And so what do we have to do as managers and stewards is what do we do and how do we manage the blessings of God in our life? That's the, that's the wisdom that we have to learn. Because if you step out in generosity, you got to know that he's going to multiply and bring increase over and over again. That's why we have Dave Ramsey classes. How, how get, you know, cash envelope system. We hate the cash envelope system. And yet we do it. And we, we, we despise all this, all this stewardship thing, all this management thing. But if we know we do that, then we'll be able to steward the blessing that he gives. It's just like when the master came back for the ten talents, how many talents did he have? Or the five talents? He had ten. When the master came back for the two talents, how many did he have? He had four because they knew how to steward the blessing in their life. They knew how to steward it and multiply it. And I just want to encourage you that, that we want to help you steward that. Because when you're faithful, you'll be fruitful. You'll be fruitful. You'll bear much fruit. Also, we find in a generosity and this, in this unshakable foundation, we have to start expecting the miraculous. We got to start expecting that God's going to do things that, that we didn't think he could do otherwise. We have to step out in faith. And how many know faith is risk? 
isn't it? It's a big risk to step out, to give like you never give, to give up your time, your talent, your treasure. Am I really going to put everything into God? That, that's a big thing. But God risks is what we call faith. As you risk for God and you move out and you risk to his voice and as you hear him speak and you do that, your faith begins to grow and it begins to multiply. But we have so many excuses. We start to justify our lack of faithfulness. Oh, well, maybe I'm too old or maybe I don't have enough. Maybe I have too much and I have to keep it to myself. If, if I got to raise God, then I'll give you more, I promise. If, if only I had more time, Jesus, if you stopped the sun like you did in the Bible, then, then I would serve in children's ministry. You know, whatever it may be. I, I know that I'm being a little silly, but it's true. Like, we start justifying our lack of faithfulness. You can examine yourself. Have you been faithful with your time? Have you been faithful with your talent? Have you been faithful with the treasure that he's given you? And if not, what happens? Justification. Justification. Start justifying. And it becomes excuse after excuse after excuse. There's a man in the Bible has full of excuses. See, this man, he had quite a task in front of him. He had to deliver two million people who were enslaved. And at the moment, as he tried to deliver two million people and being enslaved, he, it was excuse after excuse. Oh, God, I, I have a stutter. Oh God, how is he going to believe my words? What is he going to do? And what did God say? He says, what's in your hand? He said, it's a staff. A staff is in my hand. Whenever you, people question my authority, you throw that staff on the ground and watch it become a snake. And watch the miraculous happen. That hand you have, put it, in, put it in your cloak, and when it comes out, it'll be a leopard hand. And when you put it back in, it'll be miraculously healed. And so he begins to step out in this. When you raise that staff to the waters, the seas will part, and my people will be delivered. God has put stuff in your hands. The, mir the miraculous power of God is in your hands. The question is, are you going to open your hand or hold on to it? Are you going to start letting go of those things or, and letting God use you? Or are you going to keep it to yourself and hide it and bury it? There's so many talents in this room, so many untapped potential of you just holding back things from God. But he's saying, open it up, watch what I can do. You know, it, it, it's no respecter of age, is it? Because although Moses was a little older, there was a little boy who had a sack lunch who opened his hand and gave it to Jesus and 5,000 people were fed that day. You see, it doesn't matter what age you are, the blessings can come for your life. They're designed for your life. But the lie that we believe is that you cannot trust the heart of God. God is not for you. Therefore, you must take your life into your own hands. But the truth is you can trust the heart of God. God is for you. Look at Jesus. Therefore, you must take your life and place it in his hands. When it comes to generosity, we read in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, everybody say all, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. To step out into this kind of generosity, the first fruits to come out of your life. And this is what we teach as a church in our plugged in class. And this is what your pastor tries to live out. Is that you should tithe the first 10% that comes in. And you should save the next 10%. And learn to live off of 80. I know that's hard to do, isn't it? It's, it's hard to do, but, but it's a simple formula to put us in the right heart or the right position. In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it says this, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. There's a story that Brian Houston tells of Hillsong Church. He, he was up on the stage and he, he said one day, and he's spoken in faith. One day, somebody in here is going to tithe a million dollars. Well, this wife elbows her husband and says, that's going to be you. Well, at the time, he was already tithing tens of thousands of dollars. And the story goes like this, is that a few years later, he wrote his check for a million dollars. And when the church saw that, they, they went up to him. They said, man, how did you have faith for such a gift? How do you have faith for that? He said, you know what's crazy? It's the same faith when I made $100 and the same faith when I made $1,000 was the same faith when I made $10 million. It was the same amount of faith. You see, God's not looking for the amount. He's looking for the heart. God's looking for the faith of his church, the faith of his people. God cares about the faith that you have. Trust him in the little and watch your life be fruitful. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray a blessing over you. I want to challenge you in this season. If that, you feel like God's saying, hey, man, I, I, want to, I want to do that. I want to start tithing. I want to start giving 10%. Tithe just means 10th. I, I want to start doing that. Malachi says this, test me in this and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven for you. Just test me. And my number one theme in Strength Finders is competition. I'm like, all right, God, let's do this. I want to test you. I, 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 like, I like competition. And God has been providing for me ever since. He'll do the same for you. On the back of your chair, there's a connect card. And you can let us know your prayer request. But when God blesses you, if you step out in tithing and you want to just let us know as a church, write down on there how God has blessed you, how God showed himself faithful. We want to hear that. We want to hear stories. We want to see that our God is who he says he is, that he showed up for you. And through that, we're going to learn to manage what God has given us. Let me pray. Father, I just, I love you. We love you. God, the hardest day for a guest is come on. The Sunday, we talk about generosity. But God, it's Money is the thing talked about 
over 2,000 times in the Bible because our heart is so given towards money. And you want our hearts. That's really what you want. So, God, I just pray that you would move in power over everyone in here. I pray that you would position our heart. And I pray that you would overflow blessing in every way. We love you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.